0: So, as the slide, we're going to talk a bit about tender and grant and proposal writing. Some of the things that I do quite regularly, that will skip too quick. So, um, I'll do a bit of an introduction to grant writing, what I think about the process itself, some of the tools that I use for success, and then hopefully we'll get into a longer discussion about issues faced. and I aim to finish on time as well. These are all my contact details. If you want to take a screenshot of this or a photo, you can, and... I'll go back so you can if you want to, but I'll send out the slide deck with the presentation if you ask for it, with an email after the presentation if you ask for it. So, later on. Uh, Yes, like I said, take photos, etc. I don't mind. My main thing is if you do take them and you share them on social media that you tag me, that's the only thing that I ask for. If you haven't already noticed, I talk quickly. So... Uh, if I talk too quickly, pull me up, let me know that I've talked too fast um, and I'll try to slow down. But like I said, this is being recorded. It might end up on social media. So if there's something that you don't want included on that, let me know. I'll send around a link to the video before it goes up so you'll have an opportunity if you want to to, re- go, to go through it again. Um, and if I don't hear anything back, I will sh- assume everything's okay. So you'll have an opportunity now if you want to to say don't put something up or an opportunity later to say, don't put something up. Um, I think that's it. If you have any questions throughout any part of the talk, please interrupt. Um, Some of you might've already seen this before. This is me when I was doing my PhD at Monash University. Uh, Partway through, I decided that I didn't want to do a PhD for lots of different reasons. The main one being what I felt was the amount of effort that I needed to put in for the amount of return I got. So I decided to take off my lab coat and wear a suit coat instead. And so now the way that I describe myself primarily is helping people answer the question, what next? So I work primarily with people with PhDs or people getting their PhDs, helping them work out what it is that they have that someone else might want. So a lot of that work ends up Being computer type work, so I'm typing up documents for people or helping them type documents. Uh, A lot of people ask for help getting money, so money could be for grants, like we're going to discuss today, but it could be for a job or it could be in a proposal. Uh, But all of these things have the same theme, which is how do I understand what I want and what other people want from me, and that intersection being the relevance, how do we get that across? Um, As I was saying to Mitchell before, Um, I do other things besides this. One of the things is drums. I've got a drum lesson later today. Um, So one of the things that I like to do in my presentations, if we've got time, and I think we definitely do today, is ask other people to tell the group a little bit about themselves and to include something interesting. So like I said, uh, I play the drums as well. I've got an electronic drum kit and I'm a uh, middle-aged man filling out his boyhood fantasies. So uh, Mitchell, you're next in line if you could tell the group a bit about yourself and uh, something interesting as well.
1: Sure. Um, so my name's Mitch. I just recently graduated with my PhD from Monash university, just uh, very similar to Richard here. Um, and I'm just on currently on the hunt for postdoctorate positions. So I'd like to keep my lab coat for a little bit longer. <laughs> um, so this, this uh, webinar is very applicable to uh, my future interests, I guess. Um, and one interesting thing about me, I guess, is I enjoy scuba diving. No, how long have you been doing that for? I uh, sort of just beginner at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Kind of got involved in uh, scuba diving at the Great Barrier Reef. So <laughs> <laughs> It's going to get expensive quick. Yeah, it's, it's an expensive hobby. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks, Mitch. Okay. You're on mute at the moment. Oop. There we go. Oh, now you're yeah, muted again. Yeah. There, there we go.
2: It's yeah. a bit slow. Um, I might pass at the moment, Richard, but I okay. guess my, my interest in coming today is um, to have a look at, at what you say so that um, um, the webinars that you present might be a good opportunity for our HDRs okay. to yeah, expand their horizons a little. So thank yeah.
0: you. No problem. And Nikisa, Nikisa, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hopefully
2: you no, you can... pronounce it correctly. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, yes, perfectly. Okay.
2: Thank
0: you. Okay. Um, yeah, so I did a postdoc um, last year and yes. um, then I'm looking for another opportunity. I just found a lab um, that I could put um, through the applications through, but I just need to know how to write it to yes. get money in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that we'll be able to address everything in this 45 minutes or now half an hour, but I'll do my best to give you some tips on how you might be able to do that. And what's something interesting about yourself?
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Um, I'm passionate about um, my research. Yes. It's, uh, Alzheimer's disease in Down syndrome and, um, yeah, I think that it's a great proposal. So I think it's my passion for what I do. Is Yeah. <laughs> great. Thank you very much. Sure. So uh, I guess it's the best place for me to start with this is to consider why we would write a proposal in the first place. And I think um, the first thing is that that or how do why would we get better and I guess the first thing is that it's increasingly competitive so if you've you've already talked about it uh Nikisa that it's hard to get grants so you're looking at grant success rates if you look at the top left of this slide at between 15 and 20 percent if you're just writing a grant um to say NHMRC or ARC and Nikisa are you in Australia yes I am yeah uh great um And so with other programs that have, say, an industry component that are still research grants, so the linkage grants or partnership grants for the NHMRC, success rates are a bit higher. They're not as high as in this graph anymore. They were at 40 to 50% a few years ago when I drew this up. They've dropped a little bit, but some of that is around from what I believe is poor applications. The linkage grant has changed their process, and I think applications are not as well thought through now. Um, but that's a bit different. But there are lots of other reasons to write proposals and write applications. And I think some of the, the things that we get limited in is that we just go for research grants rather than thinking about potential business grants that might make use of our university expertise. Um, and so this slide is made for a slightly different purpose, but covers some of that. So we, you know, it's good to know that businesses are innovation active, only 50%. So that could mean for you that... Um, there's a the rest of that pool. The other 50% is available to be innovation active. Um, then 96% of organizations that have collaborated with universities in the past would do so again, 89% think their collaborations with universities are a success. And so there are lots of opportunities to work with non-traditional funders of research. And I think it's useful to broaden your horizon when thinking about proposal writing in that sense, Um, the other reason to get good at proposal writing is that it'll be good for your employment beyond your PhD. So if you decide to stay, the pathway is potentially fraught. This is probably not an overly positive picture of staying in academia, but somewhere between five and 1% become long-term professors. So I think Kay, you might well be unusual in this context. Uh, And Mitchell, you're starting on the very left-hand side of this. So, um, you've done well, you're in the 47% here. Uh, This is some UK data. There isn't a similar graph for Australia. The the graphs for Australia tended to be presented in pie charts, but it's the same kind of thing. Once people graduate their PhD, they tend to leave academia. So knowing that you're going to leave, becoming a good proposal writer will still serve you well for your future work. So why do people write proposals? Um, It's one of two reasons in my mind. It's either to get money to do work or to do work so you can get paid and live. Um, And so if you're passionate about the work you do, maybe you're asking for money so that you can do work. But if you're not so passionate, but you just like research, maybe you're doing work so you can get money. Um, Underlying every single grant you will ever respond to or every single proposal you'll ever respond to will be some kind of policy document. So from the ANHMRC and the ARC perspective, That's government policy around health, government policy around innovation, government policy around research. And so if you're not familiar with those things, it's hard to be competitive in those grants. And then the next layer of policy is the grant itself. So the ARC policy, the NHMRC policy. And don't forget, I mentioned working with industry. So industries will have their own policies and preferences around how they work with others And so you'll need to get familiar with their policies. If you're looking for a grant or looking to work with them, you'll need to know what it is they do and why they do it. Most grants are not grants because we like to cure diseases, as sad as that sounds. Most grants are around employment and um, economic growth, essentially. Um, Governments want people employed and that creates healthier people. And so it's generally why um, we have a research system at the, at the most fundamental level. And then obviously, once you decide you're going to do that, then the next step is what are we going to do? You know let's cure cancer, let's get better at engineering, whatever it might be. So there are lots of grants out there. If you've tried to have a look, there are early career researcher grants. There are grants that your university might provide as top-up scholarships there are grants that um, for small businesses working with research that might support a PhD student. And so the question that I often help people answer in this context is how to decide. And this is an individual choice in my experience. And it all comes down to, to the goals that you set for yourself. So what do you want to achieve as a researcher? What do you want to achieve now? What are the things that you might want to achieve in life and do all of those things, Put that grant in the right pathway for you and you can again going back to the policy idea you can find out some of how those might align with your goal how your goals might align with policy by looking at different locations so obviously not obviously but I'm based in Victoria so there's the state government website they put out grants and their policies will help you understand what how your goals fit into what they want to achieve Um, obviously there's national and international opportunities. Universities will do the same thing. So I guess when thinking about writing grants, I hope you've got out of this quick section that policy is really important. And if you're not familiar with the policy that relates to the grant that you're going for doing so will increase your chances of success. The next thing is actually writing the application. So you've made the decision to look at the policy, choose a grant. The next thing is writing, uh, and I guess there's two approaches. One is just in time and one is um, to do it in advance. Um, so just in time basically means you find out that the grants released today and you start writing today. The in, the in advance model is to know that all grants have similar sections or all tenders have similar sections or all proposals have similar sections and you can start working on it now. If you think about your CV or your resume, as a proposal for you getting a job, you build that before you actually apply for a job, before you look at the jobs. And so this that's kind of a similar approach. Are there any questions or any comments that people want to make before I move to the next
1: one? Yeah, I've got a quick question just based on the understanding policy side of things. Yeah. So when, when you say that it's important to understand the underlying policies for applying for grants, it's important to incorporate those into the grant itself, or you use that as a framework to structure your grant? It would, it forms part of the framework to
0: structure your grant. Okay. So, um, for example, Knowing that the reason why local... So the the best example that I can come up with is local government or state government as well often put out grants that encourage universities to collaborate with industry and they are not interested in university industry collaboration per se. They're interested in jobs created. And so if as an industry partner, for example, you're saying you're going to make a million dollars, versus your competitor saying they're going to make a million dollars and then hire 10 people. The one who's going to hire 10 people will win out over the one who's just going to make a million dollars. Cause the government would prefer to pe- see people employed almost regardless of what they do. And obviously there are ethics and other policies, but that's important to know what the underlying thing is that they're trying to solve. Right. Yeah. yeah. So all grants are trying to solve a problem. And so knowing the policy position helps you identify that high level problem that the government is trying to solve. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, you can do it just in time or you can do it in advance and there's no perfect way. And like if I use the CV example for all the jobs that you apply for, when you put your CV forward, you don't put the same CV forward regardless of the job. You'll revisit your CV, you'll make adjustments. And the same with with a grant. So no matter what, doing it in advance or just in time, there'll still be an iterative process. But these these four components here are the four things that you'll probably find in every single grant or proposal. So you'll need to justify why this project, what you're doing um, for that piece of work, why you or why the team, and how you're going to do it. And these all will need to feed into each other. So when you talk about, what you're doing you'll probably talk about yourself and how you're an expert in that thing. Um, when you talk about this project, you might talk about the experience that you've had doing pr- similar or previous projects or how this project builds on previous work that you've done. And again, when you're talking about how we're doing it, you might link into what's currently available, what currently is best practice, why ABC is better than ACB, etc. So, those I think are the fundamental fundamental components of any proposal that you will write. And so if you wrote some of this stuff in advance, knowing the kinds of work that you want to do and what you want, how you want to do it, that'll help you express that more effectively later on when it comes to actually responding to a real proposal. Of course, there are many more sections than just these four. So in many grants and many, tenders and proposals you need to talk about how you're going to communicate to your stakeholders to the people that you might survey if you're doing um anthropological research to the people that you're working to what's in scope and what's out of scope um so that means essentially what you will do and what you won't do um you'll need to talk about how you will not just communicate with your stakeholders but who they are you'll need to talk about how the different parts of the project come together particularly if it's a long-term thing Quality should be covered. The expertise of other members of the team should be covered. The cost, obviously, will need to be covered. Um, What you'll need to make it successful will need to be covered. How long it will take and the risks associated with your project. And not just the risks associated with conducting the project, but, you know, you get smart and talk about the risk associated with not doing this work. How will the granting body, how will the world be impacted if you don't do this piece of work, not just what are the risks of doing this piece of work? Um, And then if you're asking for resources, think about again, if you couldn't get the resource that you wanted, how would that impact your project? And do you need to make sure that you get that exact resource or could you do with something slightly different? And how would that frame the way you write that part of the application? Budgets, lots of people want to over ask in budgets Whereas I think a well-costed budget is far more effective. Um, and then, of course, the for whatever reason, the Australian system likes to fund 80 cents in every dollar applied for, which is why people ask for more. So they can ask for 120 and get 100. But invariably what that means is people don't trust you even more and give you 80 anyway, even though you ask for 120. Are there any questions around that kind of work and people's experience of pre-writing versus writing just in time um, and the sections that they focus on?
1: That's pretty clear.
2: Seem to make a lot of sense, Richard, given that um, I'm sure in many cases the timelines for submitting an application may not be long. So if you have a lot of, you know, the basic stuff put together beforehand, it's going to make the whole process um, a lot less stressful and a lot faster.
0: Yes, definitely, Kay. Um, so in a lot of, in the work that I do, I'm often finding myself responding to tenders, which have much shorter timelines than grants. And with grants, even though the timelines might be short, let's say short is four weeks, you know in advance that project grants are going to open in three months' time. So you can still do that preparation. You know what last year's project grants look like. You have a bit of an understanding. So there's a bit of a framework if you want to get prepared. And lots of researchers do. Most researchers will start writing their grants that are due in February in November. Some will write even sooner than that.
2: that, um, I wonder though whether things like industry grants or new philanthropic grants could come up at quite
0: unexpected
2: times of (laughs) the year though.
0: They certainly do. Yeah. Um, I was, I guess, fortunate enough to be involved in one at Monash University. We had two days to write a proposal for $5 million. Yeah. And that's, that's philanthropy. We've got the money to spend. We'd like to spend it straight away. If you can get us something tomorrow, that'll be really good. And we said, can we send it to you the day after? And they said, okay. Yeah. Did you get it? Yes.
1: Oh, Fantastic
0: congratulations that's great so oh thanks thanks yeah which is it thank you uh good luck and being in the right place at the right time helps as well but having some stuff in the box ready to go made it very easy to write something rather than having to think of something from scratch um so if we put those um things that i put in that grid earlier into a timeline and obviously you wouldn't necessarily work through it sequentially you'd work through it iteratively. This is what most people do. So they'll think about why this project and why me and what we're doing and how we're doing it. And they'll go back and forth through that loop. Then generally before you submit, you do a compliance check and then you'll send it in. And that process you could put any number of hours, days or weeks against that list. But I think there is a problem with that graphic. I think to increase your chance of success You need to do a few other things. So I've already mentioned the policies, not enough people familiarize themselves with the funding rules. So I think it's essential to know that as a researcher and, and the easiest way to do that is to attend, the most recent seminar often put on by your research office around what the funding rules are for that granting application. And if those kinds of things aren't being offered, but you found out about the grant from your research office, ask them about the funding rules and failing that everyone can read. And unfortunately it's a bunch of boring reading coming up to familiarize yourself with the rules, but that's essential. I know lots of people who have failed grants simply by not reading the funding rules and just going headlong into an application, not knowing that things have changed or were different to last time. The next thing, because now you know the funding rules, the next thing is to include in your iterative loop, the compliance checking. And this can save a lot of headaches at the end. So if you've submitted a grant to your research office previously, you'll know that, they, that the grant office will do a compliance check and they'll come back and they won't really review the grant for quality. They'll just review it for does it meet the criteria of something that we can submit. So they're dotting I's and crossing T's and that's a massive waste of time when you could have been doing that as you went and then you could ask the research office, I don't want you to spend so much time reviewing that stuff. I want you to look at quality and they can provide that service as well. So make sure you in- include compliance checking as you go. And it's far easier to be compliant as you go than comply later on. The best example that I've seen of this is essentially, you know, page limit being imposed of 10 pages and the submission, the draft submission was 12 and to cut out two pages out of 12 was a massive task. Whereas if they just had a stuck to 12 from the start, knowing that that was the policy or that was the funding rule, it would have been much easier to do. The third thing and I think this is one of the reasons why I am successful as a grant writer and as a supporter for grant writing is non-expert review. So my success rate somewhere around 70% for the grants that I'm involved in. And I don't think it's because I write great grants, but it's because I think that I'm generally a, not an expert in the area that the person is asking for help in. And that makes it really easy for me to read through the grant and call out things that I don't understand. Whereas if you're an expert and even if you've got your friends who are also experts to review your grant, there's a whole lot of assumed knowledge that could make assessment difficult and therefore get you lower on an assessment panel. And that's also one of the reasons why when you get someone to help you apply for jobs, that they can often be the difference between success and failure, not because they're good at applying for jobs. They're just not as familiar with your career as you are. So they help you make things clear. And this is the same, this idea of non-expert review helps with getting your grant or your proposal up to scratch because it takes out a lot of the assumptions. And the final thing is to not be afraid to resubmit. So if you fail this year, don't be scared to resubmit next year. And obviously you're not going to cut and paste exactly the same application, but if a similar opportunity arises in a different scheme where you could put your research forward again, don't be afraid to put that research forward again into that scheme. I'm not encouraging you to just do a scattergun approach, but if grant success rates are one in 10, just by the numbers you need to put in 10 applications before you get one successful one. And so resubmission is probably part of the process. And each time you submit, you'll get some more reviewer comments back. Um, Don't be afraid to accept or reject the comments you get, but that's another point of reference that you can use of how I can make my proposal better. Are there any questions or comments on that experiences that people have had doing any of this that they'd like to talk about or questions they'd like to ask? No, clear as mud. <laughs> cool. Uh, so I guess there are lots of issues that you could face writing grants and I'd like people to chat about the issues they face. Some of the things that I've seen, are the plan not matching reality. So it is, it is all good and well to say re- pre write something, but when what you pre write doesn't match with anything that you are seeing coming up, you're essentially writing as you go. When the, when you're getting rejections all the time, it's hard to keep thinking that you should resubmit because it seems like your proposal is no good. When the reviewers, when your peer reviews come back telling you you've not done a good job, it's hard to rewrite what they've said because you just feel like you're, you're never going to get to a high quality or a high standard. So, um, that's some of the problems that people face. Another problem that people face is that in grant writing in particular, it often is a zero sum game. If I'm successful with my NHMRC grant and I help you, I'm potentially diluting my set chance of success. And I, I don't like that that is what happens, but it is the reality. And so sometimes people are reluctant to help because they feel like not helping someone else make sure that they are higher in the pile. I hope that we don't do that as a society. I'd like to think that as a research collective we help each other out but that is some of the problems that people face where getting good peer review is hard because those who sometimes the people that you'd like to review grant won't what are some of the other issues that people have faced writing their grants and putting their proposals together um, that you'd like to ask we've got at least uh, 10, five or 10 minutes where we can discuss your problems now nothing everyone's perfect um so you know where to find grants
1: well i guess um coming from a new ecr i guess an ecr perspective and, and trying yep. to find the most um applicable and probably the best chance grants at um at going through where would, where would be yep. the best place to start because for someone who's i guess interested in moving fields from um from where i started my phd yeah presumably that's going to be an underlying um difficulty in trying to land future um funding is, is, yeah. that, is that correct or am i sort of making this sort of thing up uh so the
0: the nhmrc and that, that's your field you're in isn't it it's the health and medical field isn't it Mitch? yeah correct yeah. So the NHMRC and I think the ARC as well have started shifting towards less emphasis on track record as a as an assessment criteria in grants. Okay, so the idea of changing field should be less of a problem, but that doesn't mean it won't be. Yeah, of course. Um, and I believe the first time that that they've tried that was the grant round we've just been through so we're not really even sure of what the outcome of that will be because we won't know who was or wasn't successful until the end of this year. Yeah. Um, so I hope that answers your second question. Your first question about where to go and what to look for. So you're still an employee or an affiliate at Monash Uni? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So I would go to your to the research office and have a conversation with them about what kinds of things you Could apply for and you should apply for and there should be two categories of grant one will be like an early career researcher grant that or a fellowship that is like a bridging fellowship that ties you over between the end of your phd and your a a larger grant or a a larger piece of employment yep the second is a standalone research grant which you may or may not be um competitive for and they will be able to give you some advice on that looking more closely at your track at your track record at what you're putting forward at where you hope to work, um, et cetera.
1: Okay. But the
0: research office at any university should be able to help you identify good research grants that are good to start with at both internal and external ones. So Monash has a number of grants for the, for people in your position. Okay.
1: Excellent. I'll, I'll look into that. Mm-hmm. And rest
0: assured, they'll be competitive. That knowing about them doesn't guarantee success, but success. Yeah, not knowing about them means you can't you can't
1: win one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, Monash and I think most of the universities also have access to something called, depending on the institution, research professional or research intelligence, which actually lists probably every grant anywhere or. <clears throat> sorry, and philanthropic sources as well that yeah. would be available. So, again, just flipping through that might give you ideas too, Mitchell, particularly if you're looking at perhaps changing your, changing your particular field.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, thanks. Yeah. I'll, I'll look into that as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Again, the, your research office would know what it is, yeah. but usually you'd just be able to access it through your um, university login. Okay. So, yeah.
0: Thank you. Yes. And uh, so I presented it um, at Monash University a few weeks back and they were talking about research professionals. So definitely they've, it, they've got it and you can set profiles up and things that notify you about when things open, when things close, what's coming available, what's new, et cetera. So if you're into automation and you're happy to manage those kinds of notifications that that might be useful as well.
1: Okay. That'd be, yeah. Very handy, I think. Yeah. Thank you for that.
0: Are there any other questions that people have or issues they're facing?
2: No, that was really helpful, Richard. But much, much food for thought, I think. Thank you. I'm
0: glad. No problem. Yeah. Um, so, I'll just quickly finish up. And then I guess if you think of more questions, you can ask them. I'm sure I'll finish before time. So what's next? So I encourage you all to take action. So Kay has given some great tips there about using um, research professional to identify and then set up some grant opportunities. Um, You'll get an email from me in the next day or two, which says, thanks for attending. And here's a link so that you can potentially review everything here. Um, like I said, it will probably end up on social media and perhaps the whole thing on YouTube. So if you decide that you'd not like it to appear, then please let me know. Um, there are lots of other resources around, um, as Kay said, your university government websites have some stuff, particularly around the business university interface, and that might be useful as well. The CRC association might have some stuff, um, for you as well mitch um so the that's um based in canberra but they might have some stuff that could help you um then there are some other resources around industrial transformation research and training uh transformation centers they they might have some resources as well um and i you i think we first met at, at the society for micro biology is that right
1: yes i think i think yeah
0: i think so i would i I think that was it was that at the 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 presentation in the pub yeah that one yeah Yeah. that was it (laughs) um good so thanks i go to um go back to your that society if you're still a member can still wrangle it and ask them i wouldn't be surprised if your professional body has some advice on these kinds of things that you're looking for to bridge between your phd and your first um, postdoc or getting your first postdoc okay cool um and of course if you want any help from me i'm here so you can shoot stuff through I won't necessarily read an entire proposal, but I can have a quick skim through it for you and let you know what I think. And I'm by no means the world's authority on this. I'm just a person who writes grants and has some ideas on how uh, we could improve having seen some of them. Um, And that's it. Don't forget that's me uh, on all the social media channels and probably some others as well, but not that often. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. You may well have given up lunch or eaten lunch and done this as well. So thank you. Like I said, if you have any questions, you can ask them now. We'll get back in touch later.